0: Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. That is the voice of Paul King, who has been working with me in this podcast forever. We also have added Nikki Whitaker. So thank you to both of them for doing all the behind the scenes. And Paul's voice does the opening there. So I've got to give him a shout out there. But welcome, listeners. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, May 3rd, 2021. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And of course, we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And today, we've got another podcast with some really good information. Yes, we start off the first half of the podcast with just an update on the industry, and then we go to the hot topic segment. And we're really looking forward to, again, another really informative hot topic. Joining me is a dear friend, Linda Bomar. Also joining Linda with Rachel Harris. Linda is Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Indicom, and Rachel is Vice President of Product Management. And both are serious mortgage professionals, and we're just so thrilled to have them on. Indicom is a sponsor. But folks, they have got some interesting things going on that'll help reduce costs and really focus in on what you can do to automate your middle office. So stay tuned. And here's some great information about what you can do. I tell you, automation is changing our world so quickly, changing the mortgage world. So let's say a special thank you to the Industry Syndicate for what they do. We're so pleased to have the relationship that we do with the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts you can see at industrysyndicate.com. Also want to give a couple of shout outs. Amy Moses, who used to be with ICE, used to be with MERS, is now with SnapDocs, and we're having some really good conversations and learning about what they do. Got to check out SnapDocs.com. They're not a sponsor yet, working on that. But anyway, really pleased to have them here. But Amy, congratulations on landing with what looks like a really good company with a really exciting vision. Also, I want to say a special shout-out to Sanat Mohanity, and he is with Vault Edge. He wrote me and says how much he enjoys the podcast so many of you that write and share your comments with me and i try to fit as many of these in the podcast but thank you all of you who text me write me and let me know how much you enjoy the guest and i know there's others out there that wrote me so if i didn't get your name mentioned i apologize i want to say thank you to our sponsors the mortgage bankers association of america they do a great job of helping our industry have our voice heard on the hill they also do so much of the way of training the mba how can you be in this industry and not a member of the mba you need to be And so, Tricia Megliazzo, my good dear friend, will help you get signed up. But you can have your voice heard even though you're not an MBA member. You should be. So, check out MAW or the Mortgage Action Alliance app in your app store. Download it and make sure you get signed up so you can take what the MBA is pushing out on the hill. And we can have our voice added to it. Also, Finastra, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, does a great job helping their clients manage, store, retrieve, and deliver load files in an electronic way and moving over to a completely paperless environment. Do a great job on that. So thank you to Finastra for their leadership in automation and their sponsorship. Also, Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative, both of these entities are co-ops that do a great job of being more of a smaller, intimate atmosphere where you can get together with people that's your size and get into a smaller association with them and conversation with them. Again, they do not replace the MBA I stress that every time, but they are great for getting up close and personal with your peer group as well. As lenders and vendors that are a part of the organization. Check out both of them, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Also CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, another organization that does a great job within the industry as well as Indicom. Who is our guest today? So special thank you to Indicom providing solutions at every stage of the mortgage life cycle and including automation, outsourcing and compliance. Also, Incelerate does a great job of helping lenders engage better with their borrowers and prospects and customers. Check out the interview we did with Josh Friend August 17th. Also, you got to check out the knowledge dot com. Just check out the website. Go to their homepage. Check it out and tell me if it just doesn't make you smile. Ken Perry and the group there do a great job of producing really engaging Videos and training videos. So there's two aspects of the business: one's just learning management system, and then also they also have the licensing renewal. So check out Knowledge Coop C O O P, and you'll get to check a chuckle out of the opening videos that are on their page. Also, Mobility MMI Mortgage Market Intelligence does a great job of helping you recruit loan officers. As does Modex. Both of these firms do a good job of accessing the databases, giving you empirical information about what is going on with loan officers out there or realtors. And that's the other aspect of it. So it's really market intelligence. How can you live without at least one of these? I recommend both of them because they complement each other in a really wonderful way. So special thank you then goes out to Alice, Allen and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Unfortunately, Alice could not join us. Called me just beforehand. Got pulled into a very, very important meeting and we're grateful for the time she does join us but she said the, the news is really pretty light today, Dave, so I don't have anything for the audience but she used to be work with Indicom so she's really bummed up she can't be here on this interview with Linda and Rachel. Let's get over to the MBA Mortgage Minute and hear what Rob band rap horse has for us thank you so much rob what you got
2: Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the CFPB delayed the mandatory compliance date of the General Qualified Mortgage Final Rule until October 1st, 2022. Transactions for which creditors receive an application on or after March 1st, 2021 and before October 1st, 2022 can be originated under either the original General QM Rules DTI Q Standards, the GSE Patch QM Standards, or the new General QM Rules Price-Based Standards. MBA will continue to engage on this issue with the goal of ensuring that the general QM final rule price-based standards are retained by the bureau and according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased from 4.49 percent to 4.47 percent 2.23 million homeowners are currently in forbearance plans that's it for this week thanks for joining me Woo-hoo!
0: watching those forbearance with those foreclosures, people in forbearance dropping. That's a very, very good number for those that are still stuck in it. My thoughts and prayers go out to you, but it's good to see those numbers dropping. And uh, for those that can't get out of it, man, we need your house on the market. Isn't that terrible? Hoping someone gets foreclosed on, but we certainly could use the inventory if they can't make it. So you start wondering, if we need to continue these programs. The answer is no. Time to move on. Anyway, that can sound hard, especially when you're thinking of someone in a home Trying to stay there. Tough, tough situation. Anyway, that's of prayers go out to them. Les Parker's here with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro review of the markets and another music parody. I can't wait to hear this one. What she got for us, Les?
1: TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Bonds love to go a-wandering along the sideways trail. What trails are rates on? Bonds want to go up, but notes want to go down. Add them together and get sideways, wandering here and there, up a little, down a little. Does anyone care? Valderie! Valdera! How much growth room does the economy have without accelerating inflation or creating bubbles in the capital markets? The Fed sees blue skies above and bonds see the black forest ahead. Valderie! Valdera! Will bonds wander forever? One more time. Please, 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 please. These views of my own.
0: Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Please, please, please,
3: please.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Gotta give her a round of applause on that one. Gary Catcherbone and Les Parker teaming up. And I haven't heard that song. I can't even remember, but I uh, remember that growing up. But it's so funny. Les. Great job. Great information and actually very accurate. Also very accurate is the information that you can find on mbslive.net. And we have the founder and the awesome CEO of MBS Live with us, Matt Graham. Sorry, that sounds a little game hostish there, Matt. What's happening?
3: So, yeah, we have some allegedly accurate info on MBS Live (laughs) and I have some info for you on a quick rundown Um, of what went on last week. But we'll focus more on what's coming up ahead. And yes, bonds are wandering, according to Les, and he's right. And we'll talk about how much they might wander and what that range looks like. But that's definitely the theme, and that's really the thesis. So as far as last week was concerned, we came into it at, well, the previous week, yields were as low as they'd been in a long time, in more than a month. Nice pushback against the rate spike that has defined most of 2021 so far. But right out of the gate, we started weakening. Two back-to-back weeks where 10-year yields had bounced at almost exactly 1.53. And so that is a technical level of some significance at this point. And it Mm -hmm. helps us define the lower end of the range in the near term. So the week was really spent moving up, up, and away from that. And there was a little bit of a pause right out of the gate because we had a big miss in durable goods. That's an important economic report. And it came in at 0.5 versus 2.3 forecast. And so what was really interesting about that, Dave, is that we have seen economic data be fairly well disconnected from bond market reactions. And that's been easy to explain because we're waiting to see what the economy really looks like when we get more out of the woods in terms of COVID and lockdowns and all that. But we are now seeing a return of that traditional correlation where bonds are actually moving in the direction you'd expect after they get a certain piece of economic news, as long as economic news is big enough. In the case of durable goods, it was. It gave the sell-off in bonds a little bit of pause as the new week began, but it was ultimately not enough to derail seller's intentions. Those were most easily seen after the seven-year treasury auction of all things. And that's a crazy thing to say because seven-year auctions have not historically been big market movers, but they've been some of the biggest in 2021 so far. In fact, our worst day of the year was a seven-year auction day in response to a seven-year auction. And this one wasn't nearly as bad, but it was another obvious instance of the seven-year auction kicking off a little bit more bond market weakness. Wednesday was the Fed day. And depending on what you heard about that, your takeaway might be a little bit different. But here's what's important. First off, there's some crazy stuff ahead of it. We had some news media and even some analyst types talking about the potential for the Fed to talk about tapering. And I thought that was a little bit odd. They've been really clear about the fact that they're not there yet. Nonetheless, I think we're going to be hung up about it because that hurt so bad in 2013. But we really want to make sure they tell us when it's going to happen. So it was the first question again. Al snuffed it out right away. And he further said that we're a long way from our goals. That's a repeat. it's going to be some time before substantial progress towards those goals. And it's not yet time to talk about tapering. And he stayed really dovish throughout the press conference. He went out of his way to define the temporary factors that are going to boost headline inflation. And it ended up that the inflation reports that came out later in the week were right in line with forecasts and didn't do anything to refute what Powell had just said. So the takeaway for markets was overwhelmingly positive, and bonds did rally that afternoon. But then the following morning, after a round of super strong economic data in Europe, and some positioning ahead of GDP, yields were up again. Then there was a technical break above 1.62 in 10-year yields, and we were at the highest yields in three weeks shortly thereafter. But held ground coming into this week under 1.62 right now, and now we have some economic data that is a much more legitimate slate of data that has a bigger chance to move the market. Right out of the gate this morning, we had ISM manufacturing PMI, much weaker than expected, and it produced a, an obvious reaction in the bond market. As the week goes on, it's sort of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. The significant data leapfrogs Tuesday and Thursday. So we'll pick back up on Wednesday with ADP employment, which to some can be a, a little bit of a peek at NFC, the big jobs report. And then ISM non-manufacturing at 10am. Analysts are forecasting that that will come in at 64.3, which isn't much of a change from the 63.7 last month. But the big to-do would be, of course, Friday's jobs report. We've seen quite a few jobs reports that haven't moved markets until the last one. The last one definitely did. And if this one comes in at around a million again, then it's going to move markets too, even if it comes in as expected, because I think a lot of traders want to see the economy put its money where forecasters' mouths are. I don't know uh, how to say that. But I think it's like everybody hopes that the trajectory of the labor market recovery is as good as it might be. But until we actually see it come in in the numbers, we might not have traded that all the way. It all adds up to this range that we talked about. And we've been talking about it for several weeks now. This is the intermission timeframe for the bond market. We had a sharp rise in rates at the beginning of the year. As far as treasuries are concerned, it actually started in last August. And now we've reached the point where that levels off and it's leveled off at a historically interesting and logical zone because it's sort of leveled off on the way down heading into COVID where we had a little bit of indecision. Is this going to be the worst pandemic in the history of the world or is this going to be something that blows over in short order? And while those questions were still debatable, February, January, bonds were trading in the same range they are now and then they broke out. So coming back in the other direction, it's a Similar reaction function. If things end up being as good as they might be, then the breakout would logically be to the upside for yields uh, up past a ceiling of, say, 1.75. Let's call that the ceiling for now. And if things deteriorate for whatever reason and the economy doesn't heal as expected, then the floor could be, you know, 1.53 based on recent levels. But you could stretch the bottom of that range all the way down to 1.38. I feel, or the 1.3s. Let's be a little bit more vague without really upsetting the apple cart too much in terms of past precedent. Either way, the point is sideways intermission right now, waiting to see how this shifting of gears economically goes. And then the breakout should logically occur higher if things are better for the economy in COVID, and it should occur lower in yield if things are worse. Pretty much that simple. Yeah, it was pretty much that simple.
0: We only hope. Non-farm payroll, that's going to be a big, big number. And we got to continue to hope for the numbers. The projections are good. Excellent. I appreciate it. Matt, when you're looking at the volatility, are we going to continue to see some pretty wild volatility? I
3: think you have to approach it with maybe a little bit wider expectation for what's normal right now. And I think that anything between 1.75 and 1.5 is a fairly stable range in this environment and in terms of 10-year yields. And mortgage rates have been more stable for that matter. So it really depends on the lender though. I guess Mm -hmm. when I say mortgage rates have been stable, it really depends on the lender. Some lenders didn't move as much as others recently. And uh, there is still a very wide distribution of available rates depending on the lender. Our office, three-eighths to half a point one another on the exact same scenario and one other thing i should mention especially since alice isn't here today is that there were more kind of rumblings behind the scenes of people contacting fannie and freddie talking about non-owner and seconds right and freddie's official word is that they're going to limit their portfolio to five percent as opposed to seven percent like fannie And that is likely to have an impact on non-owner and second loan pricing this week. And uh, people that have those deals in the pipeline might want to take a a look at uh, getting those locked in.
0: Good reports, Matt. Love it. Up there in the Pacific Northwest, starting to get decent temperatures. Talking to my friend of mine up in Seattle Then when I was driving home last night from the airport. And he was saying, man, we got up to 57 degrees and we saw the sun for at least 10 minutes. Up there, remember those days? Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate what you do up there yeah. for all of us across the nation. You do a great, great job. And I encourage people to check it out. Go to mbslive.net when you go sign up. Put in the code LOL in the code section and I'll get you a trial it without a credit card required. So, Matt, good job. Appreciate you so much. Have a good one. Alice Alves, as we said, could not join us. She is super bummed about that because she used to be with Indicom and she sold her company to Indicom and uh, was really looking forward to joining in on the interview today and, of course, giving her a report. But there isn't a lot of news, she said, so let's get on over to Alan with the tech update. Alan Politics here. Thank God Alan is here. What you got, friends?
1: Oh, my goodness. So much stuff. I only um, have important things to talk about. How about a $40 billion software robot, a company wow. called, David, UiPath. They're an automation company. We're talking about automation today, right? Doc Automation. Well, UiPath, an automation company, they marked their market debut and Knox, the third largest U.S. software IPO ever in history, beyond yeah. only Snowflake, their number one company in Qualtronics, which was the number two. Both of those companies I'm not too familiar with. But anyways, the market cap is a hefty $35.8 billion. And what they do is they automate tedious manual tasks. But the best part about it, so it's all RPA. It doesn't require any coding. So they call their automations just software robots, and they do work for humans, filling out forms, moving files, inputting data, you name it. They have $580 in annual recurring revenue right now, sixty-five year-over-year growth. Margins are up over 90%. But just technology, and we'll talk about some of it today, it just continues to expand what's going on with mortgage tech, and we're going to see all of these technologies kind of start to play a part in a lot of different areas so let's talk about some other great news one i thought this was great especially last year david right when we were all under lockdown we talked so much about ron and eclose and while they've been efforts going on for so long we've dropped the conversation a little bit right we're focusing of course on eclosing evolving but simple nexus has added notarized their ron to the eclose platform so super important for simple nexus to have that and to the supply their customers so if you use Simple Nexus, you'll want to check that out. David, talking about fraud, next topic, Secure Insight and Ignite Integration Systems. They've connected to give an API integration. Secure Insights has a technology verification and closing fraud detection system. So that's now available through that API. They do risk analytics on a database of over 80,000 professionals. And why this is important is there just continues to be so much fraud. We've talked about it in the past. Imagine Your borrowers finding out that they wired information to the wrong person or someone they don't know, only to learn that they no longer can recoup that money or the house of their dreams is gone. So really, really important. And KBA is a big topic in that area, knowledge-based authentication. It's definitely a strategy that our industry needs to continue. There's a great Housing Wire article about that, making sure the borrower identifies exactly who they say they are and there's different technology ways to do so so you want to take a look at that no on the fraud piece this is a little shocking you never would believe this david but there are underwriters right now that are actually selling social security numbers they go for about four dollars yes and information with those social security numbers would go for a lot more and there are websites where they actually can post this information for sale and in addition to that People can buy it. And so new technology is needed and it's being stated. It is important for mortgage lenders to leverage as much automated technology to acquire information and process that information. So less information is the old way of business where documents are sent to email accounts and information is printed and to stop the ability for people to have that data and do fraud. I
0: had no idea.
1: And there's other technology out there, David, to help better identify people. That obviously continues to grow, but the fact that if we're not digital, we put more data in the hands of the wrongdoers, and it's not just fraudsters out there trying to capture our borrowers and their wires, but it's actual people we hire, too. So Mm -hmm. really interesting, but we need to start leveraging more technology in those areas. And so, David, last week, we talked about The seven essential design principles for product managers. Actually, it was a week before last because I wasn't able to make last week. And the only topic I just want to restate from that conversation we had was how to take feedback to feature, right? Really, really important. And the number one thing I think everyone has to understand when you take feedback is stop talking to all users, right? Don't talk to everybody and assume that the feedback that everybody gives you is for everybody, And make sure that you take that feedback from different areas and so if you're a lender getting feedback from your borrowers understand what that feedback is and what it applies to and who that person is that you're talking to right what are their characteristics and if you're a technology vendor this is probably the most important thing that you can think about on the feedback side is making sure that you know what type of feedback you're getting and from whom otherwise you may run too far left and realize that there was no one on the left side to need what you created or you may run way too far right, right? And that's so important as we're in such a highly competitive environment, and there's a lot of tech solutions out there. So for lenders and vendors, you wanna check that out. David, the other thing I wanted to chat briefly about this week was the old topic, CIO versus CTO. There's a lot of great folks out there that are looking for employment, and there's a lot of expansion. Too many lenders, and I talk to a number of them every week, everybody's implementing technology. And not everybody knows the right people that they need to have on their staff to implement it. And the position of a CIO, and there's so many titles, right? You could have chief security information officer. You could have chief information officer. You could have chief innovation officer. There's so many. So what it gets down to is most CIOs, okay, they're leading the enterprise through a digital transformation, right? So they're in charge of information. They're in charge of data. They're in charge of all of your systems. They're in charge of working with your vendors, the security of that data. And then when you talk about a CTO, right, the CTO is somebody that has a strong technology vision, and they're going to take accountability for how your organization is going to leverage those emerging technologies and put them together. So what does all those fancy words mean, right? That means that the CTO is going to be in charge of putting all your tech solutions together so you can get that operational lift, lower your costs. And your CIO is going to be part of that conversation to lower the cost, but also to make sure you're implementing the vendors with the right security mechanisms and fraud and risk mechanisms in place, and also helping the enterprise scale from the inside onto those. And so your tech strategy will be CIO and CTO, but all of the little technology things you need to do around that technology, such as your own integrations, maybe connecting and getting data into your CRM, Your CTO more than likely is going to be the visionary, the one to strategize and help you with that. So CIO versus CTO, we could have a full
3: podcast
1: about just that topic, but quick little lifts for today's conversation. And speaking of employment in the industry, there are so many positions open for so many great people. Everything from technology delivery to user interface design into business analysis into software programming. If you or someone you know is looking for a position, These things come my way all the time. I'm more than happy to be a matchmaker for those. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, You know how to get me. It's Alan, A-L-L-E-N at TMS-advisors.com or David at TMS Advisors. And I'm super looking forward to today's conversation.
0: Yeah, there's so many places I could go with all of that information you just shared. One question that came in from our listeners, does a CTO report to a CIO or vice versa, or are they equal in an organization? Is there a case you should have two of them? or can you consolidate roles? I know who's asking this question, It happened to be one of our clients, and they're considering hiring a CIO or a CTO, and they're going, now you got me confused. So a little more guidance, is there one that's typically more senior than another, more of a broader vision?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I have seen situations where a CTO can report to a CIO. I've also seen situations where people will skip the CTO title and change it to a VP of technology, or they'll move it to an innovation title, just because a lot of times CTOs are heavily involved on the startup side or managing a larger organization of product and technology. So if you don't have to give that title a label of CTO, you can have them report to the CIO, and they could have some of the very same responsibilities.
0: Good. Got back a thank you. Alan, good information, as always. Appreciate it so much. I tell you, I could ask a million questions on this segment. We just need to set up a whole day. But you actually did a good job of teeing up our Hot topic segment, Alan, because that's where we're going to go next. We're talking about automating the middle office and what's Indicom's vision. So I'd love to have you stay involved in the podcast all the way out. One person just wrote, I'm new to the industry. What does the acronym RON stand for? It stands for Remote Online Notary. So we use a lot of acronyms in this industry. Probably it's true, many, many industries, but we certainly have our acronyms here. And RON is Remote Online Notary. And I got back a quick thank you. So we got a lot of new people that listen that are interested in this industry or coming in the industry that are using our podcast to learn about the industry. So I could go on with a couple of stories about that, but I won't. Let's get on and into our hot topic. So, folks, that wraps up today's, our mortgage update, where we cover a lot of topics rather successfully and quickly. Next week, we've got an old friend and uh, the, one of the original voices on the It Unlendy podcast, Andy Shell, Dr. Andy Shell. He's now gotten one PhD, working on his second PhD. And he's going to be talking about the, some of the information that's coming out of his new mini book that he's just releasing. Uh, it's called Strategy leadership and culture. Very interesting what he's doing. I have the privilege of talking to Andy. It's we're, we're good, good, good friends. We get together for as often as we can. We're both extremely busy, so don't get together as much as I would like. But I've invited him to come on because leadership is a big, big topic that we're doing a ton of consulting and coaching on. And I'm really interested in hearing what he's developed. It will stimulate your thoughts on leadership and culture and how does strategy fit in on all of that. So next week's hot topic, Andy Shell, Dr. Andy Shell. And we're looking forward to having a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Indicom, who has been the subject of this hot topic segment, as well as Incelerate, Mobility, Mortgage Market Intelligence, Modex, as well as the MBA, Knowledge Coop, One, and Mortgage Collaborative. Check out all of our sponsors on our sponsorship page on the Lincoln on Lending Podcast. And when you're there, remember to sign up for mbslive.net and use the code LOL. Appreciate you all as listeners. Thank you so much for the many, many notes that have come in through LinkedIn and text messages and emails. Your encouragement is really, really appreciated. We sit and do this every week and have done for over 10 years, and it means so much when we hear from you, our listeners. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone, and look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to
1: Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.